Hello, everyone, and welcome to Vibrant Life Allies, the podcast that introduces you to life coaches, wellness coaches, and fitness coaches. As always, I'm your host, Lisa, the Life Coach. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Katie Miller of Millennial Probs. Katie was absolutely lovely to talk to, very relatable and super educated and trained and on top of what she does, just a really uh, a great coach. And she particularly works with personal development for millennials. She has a very interesting background. She used to teach cognitive behavioral education to people on parole, um, which is absolutely fascinating to me. And we talked about that. And, you know, now she helps work with millennials and coach them through the issues facing them today and helping them with stress and burnout that is is so common for them. And as she called it, I believe that quarter life crisis. So if you're a millennial and you're listening, you will definitely get value out of today's episode, um, hearing from her and, and what she does to help millennials, you know, whether it's just dialing in a particular area of your life or leveling up. It's very valuable information and about, you know, personal development and how that affects every area of your life and how to overcome stress and burnout and really live a life that you enjoy and that you find fulfilling and you can, you know, achieve your goals. So I encourage you to check out today's episode with Katie just again, very relatable, very well educated, and a pleasure to talk to. If anything she says resonates with you, or you know, if you're experiencing the things that we talk about, please reach out to her. Take that step. Invest in yourself. You're absolutely worth it, and she can help you live the life that you want. So reach out to her. And as always, any perfectionists that may be listening, struggling with anxiety and perfectionist paralysis, I'm here for you. Uh, reach out. I'll be more than happy to pop on a call with you and see how we can help you live more vibrantly. Everyone, enjoy the episode today. Definitely value no matter who you are. And after you check it out, just go out and live more vibrantly. Hi, Katie. Welcome. And if you can just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. Um, so my name's Katie Miller. Um, I am a personal development coach for millennials. So I'm a millennial. So I find that working with millennials just kind of comes naturally to me because we kind of are in the same point in our lives. We're going through the same kinds of things. So I just find it easiest for people to relate to me and for me to relate to them as well. So how do you define millennials? Because I've seen a lot of different things online of groupings. Um, one of them I saw included me and I wouldn't think that. So what are millennials to you? So millennials are technically someone born in 1989 all the way up until uh, someone who would be like 33 years old right now. Um, mostly I see millennials as people who are ages like, well, 23, 24, maybe to about 30 years old. Those people kind of resonate most with like millennial issues today. Okay. All right. So that sounds good. Um, and obviously personal developments for everyone, but since you're mm -hmm. in that group and you have those experiences that they have, um, that kind of makes you, you know, perfect to work with them. What is it that 
are some of those issues that millennials struggle with? Yeah. So what I find mostly is that millennials are really burnt out, especially ones that are out of college and have been working for a couple of years. They're really burnt out at work. Millennials are making less money than people our age used to in the past. And there's just so much pressure on millennials now to go to college, get a job, get married, buy a house, have kids, like do it exactly the way their parents want them to and the way that most of their parents did. And so a lot of millennials are just kind of lost. They're like, well, I've done this just like I was supposed to, but I'm not happy and I don't feel fulfilled in the way that I'm living my life. Right. Absolutely. Um, I had talked with another coach recently that works with people after graduation. And um, we kind of talked about that kind of conveyor belt assembly line type system. um, Mm -hmm. Did you follow this plan? And then at some point it kicks you out and, and now it's like, what next? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I've been calling it the quarter life crisis like you're 25, 30 years old and you realize that you're not doing what like lights you up and what makes you happy. You've just done what you've been told to do. And finally you kind of hit this point of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This isn't even making me happy, but I don't know how to do anything else. Right. And that can be a difficult situation to reach out in because you followed this plan and you have a family, you know, and, or a job and, probably love your family. And and some Mm -hmm. people are probably even, you know, have some enjoyment for the job because it built this family and life for them, but they're unhappy and they don't want to admit that, you know, Mm -hmm. and they don't see that it's very common. Um, So it's hard, it's hard to reach out for help. And that's a good way for coaching to come in because it's like, you can get that help without necessarily being like, Oh, I'm miserable. Because it's hard. It's hard to have everything and then tell people you're miserable. I've been Mm -hmm. there. But you can say, hey, I'm working with a life coach just to work on me, just to do that personal development and get better. And it'll change your life and you won't be you won't be miserable. So exactly. Yeah. It's good that there are coaches out there to help people in this situation where it is so difficult um, to reach out for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before we get more into that, a little bit about you though, why did you become a coach and like, kind of what's your history? So I had the typical kind of quarter life crisis deal going on. I went to school for advertising, got an advertising job, hated it, got another job, hated it. Then talked to my dad and he was like, well, you know, you could get into criminal justice like me and your mom. And I was like, okay. So I got a job as a parole officer because I thought, well, I can help people this way and help them turn their life around. So I did that for three and a half, four years. And I actually really liked it um, because I focused more on helping people turn their life around, like get a job, get more education, find a place to live, get through like kind of thinking errors and things like that that were keeping them in this cycle of the criminal justice system. And eventually I got the opportunity to teach cognitive behavioral education to people on parole. And so cognitive behavioral education or CBE is what we called it, basically is a class designed around 
fixing any thinking errors or like roadblocks to healthy thinking so that you can change your habits and change your life and take your life in whatever positive direction that you want to take it in. And I really, really enjoyed teaching that. And I thought, you know, yes, I'm teaching these things to people on parole, but this stuff is useful for everyone. Everyone needs to learn how to break bad habits and make new ones or learn how to not get stuck in a cycle of blaming other people for all of their problems and learn to take responsibility. So once I had done that class for about a year and I felt really comfortable teaching it and had learned all of it, I was like, I could use this with anyone. So I started doing personal development and I picked millennials as kind of my target audience. And that's my very long winded way of how I got to personal development. No, that's amazing. That's an amazing <laughs> story. Um, I'm ecstatic to hear that there is such a program um, for people on parole. Congratulations for being a part of that. That's awesome. You. you know, it's like you said, we don't want to be controversial. Don't want to make your episode controversial or anything. But right. We all have these thought errors, personal development and these kind of um, the thought patterns that we develop it's not something that we're educated on most people growing up. And I think that probably, you know, in that parole situation that poverty probably plays a role in those people having those thought errors and ending up there. You know, it's not that people who aren't on parole don't have those thought errors. You know, they just Mm -hmm. had probably more money and things that help carry them a different way. It can change their, you know, people on parole can change their lives significantly and helping them straighten out those mindset errors and get into um, a place in their life where they can change their life and make money and make, build a home and a family. Um, Mm -hmm. But even if you've been fortunate enough to already have those things, you still have those thought errors that you're struggling with and you can enjoy them. It's not something they don't teach you thinking errors in school. And so unless it's something that you've kind of learned yourself or you've sought out education on that, it's just something that not a lot of people know. And it was funny because I would like teach class one day and then I'd come home and I might, something might've gone wrong that day or I'd be in a bad mood and I would catch myself in the same thinking errors that the people I was teaching had. But the difference was that because I knew it, I could stop that thinking error and be like, okay, let me redirect my thinking in a more positive way. And so it it helps everyone. I still catch myself and things like that all the time. And I'm like, no, Katie, you're in the blaming trap. Let's reset. (laughs) And so it really is something that benefits everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Life-changing for anyone, no matter where you are. So get a coach. So, I mean, (laughs) that's an amazing uh, story of how you got there. And I, I mean, I just can't get over that. I bet that was just a, a great three years. And then now mm-hmm. you've expanded it into your, your own business. So that's pretty amazing. So what do we fast forward? We're back to the present and you help millennials with personal development. Mm-hmm. So um, they're burned out. They're stressed. Why talk more about maybe that, you know, assembly line that they're on or why is, what are the common issues that are causing this burnout and this stress? Yeah, so the most common issues that I find, number one, is um, limiting beliefs. So they think that because they've been on this conveyor belt in their life that they can't get off or that they can't stop and change directions. 
And they, a common limiting belief is like, well, I'm young, no one will take me seriously. Or I have to work in this job for five years before I can move up and get a promotion. When in reality, you don't have to do any of that. That's just the story that you've told yourself. You can change something in your life anytime that you want. That's not to say that it's going to be easy or that there may not be some consequences, but you have the ability to change it at any time. Another thing I see a lot is comparison on social media because we millennials, we grew up with social media. We've been there when Facebook got started or MySpace, Zanga, all of that. And so we've had... Yeah. Sorry. I've forgotten about Zanga. I don't know that I had a Zanga, but I had a MySpace. I definitely had MySpace and Facebook and, you know, there's Instagram and YouTube and all of these things. And we've grown up looking at what other people are doing. So we've been in this comparison mindset for so long. And what people don't always realize is that social media is just a highlight reel. No one is going to share, maybe some people will, but most people will not share the hard parts of their life or when they're having a complete breakdown or when they're getting divorced or when they're hating their job. They'll post all these things that are going well in their life and that's only a little piece of it. So we're looking at all these people thinking, man, their life is so great. They have all these great things happening. When sure, maybe they just bought a house, but they might also be horribly depressed and hate their job and constantly fighting with their significant other. So we don't know that side. And it's really hard sometimes to decipher what people's lives are really like. And so we just get stuck in this comparison game. And then that makes us feel bad about ourselves. And so that's a huge issue I see with millennials. Yeah, I see that a lot these days as well when I'm business coaching. Um, because they see people posting all their successes and they struggle with that comparison. And I, I have to tell them the same thing. It's like, well, they're not going to post about, you know, the nights they checked their bank account and it was zero and they cried. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> like, that wasn't worth sharing. It's now that they've got it figured out that they're sharing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's a very a common issue. And especially like you said, with that generation that you've just grown up with that. always having that that access to everyone else's highlight reel yeah it's a lot of it's just so much information and it can be so overwhelming to constantly be having it in your face right and again having it in that perfected filtered best of kind Mm -hmm. of distribution and not a more even human distribution of what our lives are really like exactly Okay, so self-limiting beliefs, social media comparison. Um, is there something else particularly that, that millennials struggle with? Um, I think another thing is that it also to do with technology is the overwhelming amount of options out there for us and the trying to keep up with everyone. So there are so many ways for people to get a hold of us. They can text us, they can call us, they can message us on social media, they can FaceTime us. There's all these ways for people to get a hold of us. And hustle culture has kind of told us like, you need to do more all the time. The more you do, the better you are. So you need to go to all of these social engagements while also working you know, 60 hours a week. Everyone at work has to like you. You have to have this interesting job and the more you do, the better you are. And that 
It's just not true. You have to take care of yourself so that you can show up as your best self and do good at work and have healthy relationships with people. And so I think technology has made it hard for us to to shut off. And so what I'm constantly telling people is, hey, at eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night, whatever, put your phone on do not disturb or just stop looking at your phone. Or if you get a message from someone that's not urgent, like maybe it's a coworker talking about work on Monday and it's Saturday, you don't have to answer them right when they send you that message. But we feel like we have to. So it's like this sense of urgency, like, oh, I need to get back to them right now because I'm always on, I'm always with it. And that's just not healthy. So we need to set some boundaries with technology and do things that are relaxing and make us happy so that we can recharge and then show up at work or just show up in our life in general as our, our best self. Absolutely. Yeah, I, that is a big issue that, that I had, hadn't even considered myself, the way I, we're constantly on our phones and everyone, we think of it these days as working you're always working like you said i love that hustle culture yeah Um, and so you know you're always working and responding to everything and that's actually you know like you said it's draining you can't show up as yourself and it's not productive you feel busy you know you're having all these busy conversations but when you're pinging around and i know this happens to me at work the email's going off the phone's going off the company slacks going off. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not, you're actually not, you feel busy and you feel stressed, but you're not getting anything done. Yeah. You're not actually engaged with any part of it. You're just seeing everything light up and you're like, there's a lot going on now. What do I need to do first? And so you're not actually engaged with any one part of it. Right. Yeah. And it helps contribute to that sense of overwhelm that so Mm -hmm. many people struggle with. And that's a perception, a mindset thing. You know, you're usually just struggling with overwhelm and there's not actually too much to do. But if you are trying to answer every single one of those notifications all the time through the weekend, um, that, that could definitely feel overwhelming. Yeah. I like that hustle culture. That's probably, is that also common for you guys, the sense that you know, even if you have a, a successful job or a job you enjoy that you have to have um, like a side hustle that you have to have that going on? Yeah. So a lot of people have that idea that maybe they want to be an entrepreneur. So then they have this side hustle. But I think even if you are happy in your job, you have a great job, you want to, you know, move up the corporate ladder and that truly makes you happy, then it moves over into social life people start feeling like, well, I have to be at this event and I need to get a picture there for my social media. And they're like creating this life and doing all the things that they don't actually want to do with people. And they make up for it in in their social life instead of at work. It's just, I'm not exactly sure why that happens so much with millennials, but I've got friends who will get stressed out when you know, their friend, one friend wants to do this and the other friend wants to do that, but they think they need to be at both of these events because somehow showing up there is important. And I've just found with a lot of people my age that they feel that way. They're not sure why either, but it's just somehow been ingrained in us that we need to be doing all these things and show up everywhere. Right. And that probably creates this situation where you're trying to go and show up at thing to thing. You're not actually, like you said, engaging Mm -hmm. anybody at either thing. It's, you know, 
uh, how long do I have to be here to be seen, to get that photo? And then I have to move on to the next thing. And you don't have time to enjoy being there and engage Mm -hmm. with anyone who's there. So it's not even, that's not even networking. Really? Yeah. Not at Uh, all. And yeah, that, and that's a great point with, with the engagement because I have noticed that in the past and it was something that I worked on, you know, when everybody's posting everything on social media, I would be in situations and I was like, oh, I've got to get a picture of this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I had to come to the point where I realized you're here with people that you love doing something that is amazing, that you think is amazing, you know, you, that you want to share it, but you're not seeing it. You're not catching every moment of it if you're just taking pictures of your phone and then you're, you know, focused on posting it. Um, exactly. So, you know, I had to, I learned to, to let go of sharing it with the world versus actually having that memory ingrained in my mind because I was present and engaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes you just need to do it for yourself and be somewhere because you want to be there and really be present in that moment. And then you'll remember it and you have the memory. Everyone else doesn't have to know about it for it to have happened. Right. Pictures or it didn't happen. That's yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I mean, yeah, that's that's an important part of, of life. And that's why I, more people now, thankfully, are starting to connect with, with meditation and, and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in your mind and on your social media at an event or something like that, you're not actually present for anything. You know, everything's just flying by in a blur and you're missing, you're missing your life. So I imagine that contributes to a lot of stress and burnout and dissatisfaction. Yeah, it definitely does. So before we move to solutions and and how you deal with these issues, is there any other like particular issue that you wanted to mention? Though, I mean, those are the, the main ones. I also kind of have dealt with helping people who are in unhealthy relationships. And rather than, you know, I'm not a relationship coach, but instead of focusing on like, well, what's wrong with the other person in this relationship and what's wrong just with the relationship in general, what I'll focus on is who are you? What do you want? What makes you happy? And how does this relationship make you feel? So that at least will give someone insight into what they want and what actually makes them happy. And then they can make better choices about relationships that they're in. That's so that's something I work on a lot with people too. Absolutely. And, and I can see how that ties in with the rest. I mean, our self-limiting beliefs definitely affect our relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have that social media comparison, you're looking at what other people's perfect relationships, what they've got going on. And then even with, you know, the unlimited options, you know, it's always, you know, your partner is over here being a partner, struggling, you're having real life human, you know, things, but then you can always look on your phone and see hundreds of other people that are like, this is what I do for my lady. This is how I treat a woman, you know, or look at my new car and my new job. Um, And not that I think some people would probably judge that, um, but it it happens. You are bombarded with all that. And they're like, you know, you have women who think that there's no good men out there, but then Mm -hmm. you you would have that and you would think, you know, I'm having a bad day with my partner. There's all this, you know, out there and you constantly have people dropping in your DMs, you know, and trying to talk to you. And that's not really helpful to your relationship um, when you're going through something bad or, you know, just a a bad point because that happens. But if you have all those unlimited options out there, you know, all the grass on the other side. Yeah. um, I think it it might make it harder for some people to get through the hard time. Yeah. 
it's a really, it's a great distraction to keep you from actually working on yourself because every relationship has two sides. So maybe the other person doesn't want to work on it, but you can always work on yourself. Absolutely. I can't remember who said it. It might've been Brooke Castillo, but they were talking about relationships and they said it, it actually only takes one person to make you happy in a relationship. People are always like, it takes two. It only takes one and that's you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, again, I just see how that ties in to that whole, you know, all the lifestyle and all the things that are going on, you know, wanting everything to be perfect, like you think everybody else is and having constant interruptions and options and, you know, these self-limiting beliefs, like, you know, if you can't, I can't make this work, or this should be better, or this should be this way. And it would, it would definitely cause interruptions to all of your life, especially including your relationships. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely, a, I think even if, if they, you know, didn't come to you with that particular issue that working on these other things would benefit them in all areas of their life. Yeah. So with these issues, um, what are some of the solutions or things that you work with your clients on to help help them in these areas? So one thing I like to start with for all of my clients is helping them find their core values. So I've got this list of core values that I give them and a little worksheet that shows them how to choose which values are actually the most important to them. So I have them come up with three to five things that are their core values. So that could be like honesty, it could be health, spirituality, perseverance, anything like that. And then once they know their core values, I say, okay, how, how are you living that in your life right now? And a lot of times they're kind of halfway there, sort of living in alignment with their core values, but they're not totally there. So then I say, okay, what does honesty look like to you in your life? How do you want that to play a role? Or how do you want spirituality to play a role or health, whatever it is, so that then we can kind of build this framework for what's important to them and make sure that they're living their life in alignment with those core values. So that's usually the first thing we kind of start with. And then I always like to bring um, mindfulness and meditation into coaching. I'm also a yoga teacher. Um, I got my certification almost five years ago now. And so everyone can benefit from mindfulness because without going into a huge explanation, mindfulness is basically connecting your body and your mind and being in the present moment. So you're not worried about what's going on in the future or what happened in the past. You're, you know, sitting in a chair, you feel the chair, you know what your body feels like, and you're just focusing on the present moment. And the point of that is that it kind of gives your mind a break from all of the thoughts coming in and out and the worries and anxiety. And so if you can learn to practice mindfulness when things are feeling overwhelming, it can help a lot because it just gives your mind a break for a little while. So I'll give them tips for mindfulness. And I usually recommend that they like, if if they're not into meditating to just try it. Meditation may not be for everyone, but most of my clients find that it ends up helping them a lot. So I'll say, hey, download an app and do a two-minute meditation this day. And then the next day, maybe try a couple more minutes. And so that's something that I, um, that I work on a lot with them. And probably the, I mean, the third thing that I always bring in is setting boundaries. So I see setting boundaries as teaching other people how to treat you. So if you set a boundary or an expectation that... On Sundays, 
I don't work and I spend time alone at home and I have a self care day and I recharge. And you've constantly got this friend that wants to go out and, you know, go get drinks every Sunday. And maybe for a while you're like, okay, well, they're my friend, I'm going to go, but it's really draining you. Then I would teach them how to set a boundary. Like say, you know, I really appreciate you wanting to hang out with me. I would love to hang out with you later this week. But on Sundays, I use that as my time to recharge and just keeping that boundary in place over and over. And eventually that friend will know like, oh, on Sundays she does her self-care thing. That's great. I'll ask her, you know, on Wednesday if she wants to hang out. And so just learning to put boundaries in place so that you can take care of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's very key. People spend so much time trying to control the behavior of others, which we can't do. And we just get frustrated. But what you can control is your space. And setting those healthy boundaries is, is the way to, to do that. And um, that's a skill that a lot of people, you know, struggle with knowing when they're actually trying to change behavior versus setting a healthy boundary. And then, like you said, you know, coming to be able to communicate those boundaries to other people um, from a place of, of love and, you know, not being concerned, you know, that that friend is going to be upset you know, instead being like, this is something I need. I'm going to share it with them, you know, honestly, and they will hopefully come to understand that I, I do better. I perform better when I can have this boundary. Yeah. And most of the time, you know, if you're your friends or your family or whoever, if they really care about you, they'll understand that. They may not exactly like it the first time, or they may think, oh, that's kind of weird. Normally she hangs out, but most of the time they come to understand it and it's totally fine. Absolutely. Yeah. You just have to have the willingness to have that honesty in your relationship. Yeah. Cause we're afraid of, of letting people down. And a, a lot of the people that I work with kind of identify as people pleasers. I know I certainly used to be really bad about people pleasing, but if you, you set those boundaries, it can make things a lot easier. Absolutely. And if you really think about it in most of those situations, that's how you would feel. You know, if, if my friend was showing up, to see me on Sundays and they wanted to be at home recharging and they were tired and burnt out, didn't really want to be there. I would rather them not if you ask me, you know, yeah. and it might, uh, it might upset me at first when they tell me that, but if I think it through, then I want them to come back to me recharged on another night and then they want to be there and we have a great time. Mm -hmm. And even if, if it was a work boundary, like you didn't work on the weekends, it is possible that your, your boss, your company will understand not that you're not always available. You have to always be available, but you're actually going to be more productive you know, if you have that break and that time, instead of just those busy emails and conversations that weren't accomplishing anything anyways, you know, there are obvious, there are obvious benefits to, to boundaries when they're done right for everyone. Mm -hmm. So I really like that uh, core values and alignment with those. Cause I, I, I think that that's important. And a lot of the disconnect that people have is not realizing, you know, either their wants in life, their goal, their true goals, or what they value and how, if they're not living in alignment with those values that can cause a lot of frustration and, and depression even. Mm -hmm. And also I, I love mindfulness and meditation. So that's, I agree with that recommendation. I do know it's not for everybody, but like we had talked about before, just being able to be present instead of in the past and in the future, it, it does give your mind a break and you know, the past is over. It's mm -hmm. done completely over and the future does not exist. So you only have that moment. And if you're missing it, just 
swimming in your head, that's going to create that stress and that burnout and that dissatisfaction with life because you're not actually participating in your life. Right. And if you practice mindfulness, then it's a lot easier to make decisions that are in alignment with core values because you don't have all this noise going on in your head and you can really focus on making sure things are in alignment. So mindfulness just helps with all kinds of things. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great practice. Those are excellent things to to work on for anyone listening um, in all aspects of life, even in that millennial you know, that group particularly, but anyone could benefit from this information. And also, I mean, those are practical things you can start, they can start doing now, identifying their core values, practicing mindfulness, maybe incorporating meditation, you know, and learning to set healthy boundaries. You know, obviously, knowing that those are good things and being able to apply those in your life um, can be a struggle. So that Mm -hmm. is is one way that a a coach can come in and, give you that accountability and that support, help you identify those values and how your actions are aligning or not. Um, So that's definitely a way that a coach can come in. So what kind of is your process and and how people work with you? So I have a form that I have people fill out when they want to work with me, just so I generally know like what their issues are and to make sure that they're willing to work with me for at least like six to eight weeks because anything less you just it's not possible to make that much progress for most people in less than you know six to eight weeks and so then if you fill out the form we hop on a free discovery call and talk a little bit more and we both decide like does this sound like a good working relationship is this going to be in alignment for both of us because it's not feasible to coach everyone. There are certain people that are going to do better with another coach. And so we make sure that it's going to be a good relationship for both of us. And then from there, we have an hour long phone call each week. And then I will give my clients homework or like suggested reading or, you know, tell them practice meditation, whatever. And between that week's time, they'll do their homework and then they can always um, contact me by email if they have questions in the middle of the week or need help with something. And so we'll do these one-on-one phone calls, usually eight weeks is what I like to do for the program. And then from there, you know, if they feel like, if they had something small to work on and they feel like they've gotten through everything they need, then great. They um, are always able to do more coaching with me in the future. But if someone is like in the middle of working on something, then I'll continue to work with them for as long as they need. So one-on-one coaching is mostly what I do. I am in the middle of working on a course. So that would be something that you could just purchase and then work through at your own pace. So that would be more for people who have something more specific they want to work on and don't necessarily need a a one-on-one coach, not something that intense that they could just kind of work through on their own. Absolutely. Um, That's great to to have that for people who, you know, like you said, are just wanting to do that. And then also I think that courses and when you follow someone's content or their podcast, um, you know, you get these, I, these ideas and these things that you can coach on and, and self-apply, but you know, when you're really ready to step it up and, you know, have a kind of a bigger change and that support and that accountability, then that, that one-on-one in that intensive eight weeks is, um, transformational and life-changing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely can be. So do you work with men and women? Yes, I do. Um, mostly women. 
but obviously if there are men out there follow me on Instagram or YouTube or listening to this, I will 100% also work with men too. Absolutely. I wonder, I did wonder that when you were talking about self-limiting beliefs and people, you know, one of them being when you're young and you don't think anyone will take you seriously. I had another coach who had told me that women are less likely to apply for a job where they don't meet all the requirements than men are. So Mm -hmm. I thought that, that that was interesting and you know, that that's a struggle that a lot of women in that group probably have um, Mm -hmm. looking to grow, like you said, and thinking no one will take you serious. You have to do this five-year plan and then you can do this. And it seems like in some cases that men are more willing to say, Hey, but I have these other qualities. Let's talk about this. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I think men are raised from a younger age to just have more confidence and like they're stronger, they can do anything. And so they naturally are just more confident when they apply for jobs. And it's sad that a lot of women don't feel the same way because rarely do you ever have every single quality that a company is looking for. You're going to have to learn things. You may not know everything already, but having that confidence to say, well, you know what? I may not have this quality, but I'm really good at, you know, X, Y, and Z. And they could use that. I'm going to apply. So yeah, working on things like that and trying to, you know, just get people to feel more confident in themselves is also definitely important. Yeah, I can I can see there, you know, the difference in in the male and female struggle with that particularly. But then, mm-hmm. you know, it also made me think that it it's probably a struggle on the male side that part about not wanting to reach out for help. Exactly. And yep. men are less likely to ask for help because they've also been taught that if you ask for help that's weak and men aren't weak and so they hesitate to reach out. Right. But that doesn't make you weak. That makes you smart and shows that you're aware that something needs to change. Absolutely. And that's one of the, again, fortunate things about coaching is that there are so many, you know, successful men and women that have coaches. Mm -hmm. So it's easier maybe for a man who's like wanting help, but doesn't want to reach out for help that he can say, oh, well, I have a coach. Right. Yeah. I have a coach. It can help them, you know, if they're having trouble with that stigma of needing help, it just sounds like, oh yeah, you have a coach. Rocky had a coach, you know, (laughs) Exactly. that's that's fine. That's cool. You can do that. You know, it might not be the best thing that, that that's an issue, but I'm, I think it's good that the coaches are out there and that, you know, they can have that and not be stopped from having help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many great coaches out there and male coaches that work with men and women that work with men. So there's, there's options for just about everyone today. Absolutely. And that's why part of the reason why we're here today is to get the message of coaching out to everybody and how Mm -hmm. awesome it has, it is to have a coach in your corner and then also help them introduce them to different kinds of coaches and, you know, just different personalities and experiences. Cause you should, you know, look into it when you're looking for a coach and find someone, like you said, that, that you connect with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do your research. See, I mean, you want to take advice and help from someone who has been where you've been or at least can understand where you're coming from because they're probably going to be able to help you the most. So do your research, find things out. And if you have questions for someone, like anyone can DM me on Instagram or send me an email anytime they want. Whatever they want to know about me and my experience, I'm totally happy to share. Absolutely. That's great. Everyone (laughs) reach out to Katie. Yeah. Ask me all the questions. I'll answer them. (laughs) Absolutely. That's fantastic. So before I let you go here today, Katie, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or say to your, to your, to the audience? Just that if you're thinking about getting a coach, 
go ahead and reach out. So many coaches have like discovery calls or they'll have you fill out a form that isn't, you know, attaching you to their program, but just reach out and see what's available. Ask a few people, you know, hey, what do you do? What do you help with? And then I just, I encourage everyone to take the leap. Just try it out because you'll get something out of it. No matter what, every coach has something to offer and we all have something that we can work on. So you'll get something out of it. Absolutely. You have things in your life that you want to change or goals that you want to pursue. And for whatever reason, you've had a block and you're not getting there. Um, Mm -hmm. Action. That's what you need. And, you know, action begets action. And that's what leads to success. So take Mm -hmm. that first step, take that first action and reach out to a coach and, you know, have that, that call and see what they can do for you. And if that meets your needs, then, you know, it'll work. It'll be a, a life changing experience. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. 